0: Are you satisfied with the government that owns you? There are churches who refuse to allow us to use their facilities to teach unspoken or even sometimes spoken rule that religion and politics don't mix. You wouldn't dare speak out against the government or somehow resist. Christians have to be involved in politics. God commands it. Every turn of event through history hinged. One person will stand up We have a chance to fight without bloodshed. But every time we comply, we establish a future where our children will not have that option. Why do we sit down when all should be standing? And why do we back down? At the grid? Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. So welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here, dot lcom where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Thank you so much for jumping back on with us. Got our sound better, hopefully. Um, As you can see, it's just me, and I'm standing here in Spokane, Washington. You can see Spokane in the background. I don't know how many of you have had the pleasure of being in the great state of Washington or going to Spokane and all, but there's some scenery for you. It is cold here. It is (laughs) cold here for this, uh, not a native-born Floridian. Remember, I was born and raised in St. Louis, so I'm no stranger to the cold, but I've had 25 years in Florida, so things are of bit chilly for me here. Uh, you can see there is some snow. So we had some snow last night and this morning. And i um, just really, really glad to have you here. <laughs> Craig's like too darn cold for me. Well, I thought I'd give you a little bit of uh, roving reporter style for you here. I'll uh, uh, I'll tolerate the cold while we do a short show for you tonight. But I wanted to hop on Because some really great great things, uh, some very encouraging things have happened. And I don't think you're going to get the straight news from the news. I don't think you're going to get the straight story from the news. And that's what I want to give to you today. Now, uh, first let's talk about Rittenhouse. Because I know that's what is on your mind. And you all know that I was a prosecutor for uh, for nearly a decade. I worked in the criminal justice system even longer than I was a prosecutor. So I have over 10 years of service in the criminal justice system. And there's some really important things that you need to hear about this case that I don't think you're going to hear in the news. First off, Um, this is due process. This is how due process is supposed to work. Now, I've heard lots of people say on the conservative side, I'll just go ahead and address some of the, the things from the conservative side that you haven't been hearing accurately. But from a conservative side, I've heard people say, well, if it was due process, he would have never had a trial. That's not entirely true. First and foremost, and anybody who is a firearms instructor, anybody who deals with that uh, area of firearms will tell you that anytime someone is shot, there's going to be first an arrest. Even if it is a uh, apparent self-defense, someone is going to get arrested because if you have people who have died then there has to be an investigation you can't look guys you can't just have like an officer or just a prosecutor say oh in my opinion in my opinion uh, there should be no trial there should be no charges that would not be due process let me tell you you don't want an officer or a prosecutor with that kind of unilateral power, okay? So, listen, the prosecutor with the unilateral power to say, too bad there's a dead body, nobody should be charged, is the same problem whether you think it actually is self-defense or if it's not self-defense. I mean, I'm watching people in the chat room making my argument for me. Is it supposed to work like you have unilateral power? No, that's what due process is for. Remember, when there is somebody who has been who has died or has been injured, there's a due process, a property right on that side that needs to be answered, not just on the shooter's side. So if you're throwing up in the chat room all of these uh, examples of how somebody was not charged and somebody did not have a trial, then what you're showing me is the part where due process didn't work and that's what I'm trying to explain to you here. You have to have a due process. And whether we like it or not, this is how due process is supposed to work. Now, I've heard people say there wouldn't there may be an arrest but there wouldn't be a trial, okay? Well, that's not always true either. Especially if you have a situation where it's a high-profile case. If I'm a prosecutor and I have a high-profile case, I don't want to be the one that everybody points the finger at because I made a decision that should have been given to a jury of peers. Now, I would have done something different, however, than these prosecutors. I believe these prosecutors had an agenda, by the way, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But I would have done something different You see, I would have convened a grand jury. I would have convened a grand jury and had the grand jury decide with the evidence that the prosecutor has whether a charge should have been, an indictment should have been filed or not. So I would not have necessarily gone forward with a trial, but I would have definitely, as a lead prosecutor in this case, convened a grand jury, and let the grand jury decide. Now, why do I think these prosecutors had an agenda? I'll tell you why. Because these prosecutors kept trying to get evidence in, especially evidence that had already been excluded by the judge. On YouTube, there's actually a video clip of the prosecutor's being reprimanded, being scolded by the judge for putting into evidence in front of the jury evidence that the judge himself had said, no, you can't discuss this. And that's, that's man, that's a really big, big problem. That's a really big no-no. And the judge had to excuse the jury and had to reprimand the prosecutors in this case on the record, right? Be- and then what you had now was an opportunity for the defense to file for a mistrial. Because here's the thing, you've got a court order from, signed by the judge that says you can't talk about this in front of the jury. Come on now. Every graduate 10 minutes from law school knows that if the judge tells you don't talk about it, you don't talk about it. So these attorneys, these prosecutors, violated that court order by the judge. I mean, they were in the hearing. They presented their evidence. The judge said no um that's insufficient this will substantially uh burden the defendant this will uh def- de- this will deny the the defendant their right especially deny the right of the defendant to his right to be silent you have the right to be silent these were the kind of things the judge told the prosecutors you are not allowed to talk about and the prosecutors violated that. Bold face violated it. Now, the prosecutor said, well, the defense opened the door, so we thought. Baloney. When you have an order signed by the judge that says you can't talk about something, you don't get to unilaterally think that the circumstances changed. The proper criminal procedure would have been to ask for uh, a side bench, to a sidebar, to ask to come to the bench and talk about it, to convene an actual hearing and say, look, Your Honor, this is what the defendant said in their testimony. We believe the testimony that you gave changes the circumstances of your order. And this is what we want to say. And then put it before the judge to make a decision that's how it works they openly defied that they openly denied the process of due process they openly disregarded the rights of the defendant and tried to put in t- and well let me put it this way actually put in testimony they actually said in front of the jury the things that the judge said don't say in front of the jury that contaminates the jury. So what has to happen is the judge is like, Whoa, wait a minute, people, we can't have this. We can't do this. Excuse me, jury. We're going to have you go to the jury room while I talk this over with the, the attorneys and the defendant. Now, when they come back, The judge has to say to the jury, please disregard everything that you heard about A, B, and C. Now, I'll tell you something out there, people. Corrupt attorneys, whether they be prosecutors or defense attorneys, know that if I can just get that out, people cannot disregard, especially if if you think it's something so compelling so compelling that the jury will be swayed by it emotionally i know and i have been in courtrooms where the the where an a defense attorney has put stuff into evidence in defiance of a judge's order and there's has to be a mistrial i've actually seen prosecutors i have worked with prosecutors who have committed this kind of Uh, disregard for the court orders and the judge has ordered a mistrial. So the judge did not order a mistrial at that point. Maybe the judge knew that the evidence was so overwhelming to Rittenhouse's uh, finding of not guilty that he wanted to get this over with. You see, if he, if he calls for a mistrial, then what happens is there's another trial. So from a judge's perspective, I'm going to let the trial go to its fruition and then allow the defense to file for a mistrial. And at that point, if I think it's egregious enough, I'll actually grant the mistrial. Now, sometimes, right, they will grant a mistrial with prejudice. Let me tell you, a lot of people are throwing that term around. That happens very, very rarely. Remember, when you have a criminal case, there's a victim on the other side with rights. So if you declare a mistrial with prejudice, that means that the case cannot be tried again and you are eliminating the due process rights of the victim on the other side. So in this case... The prosecutors, I don't know if they did everything they could to commit a mistrial or if they were just not doing their job well or if they knowingly and intentionally violated the order to see if they could sneak something into the jury and get away with it. Either way, I think the judge handled this very well. I think the judge handled this in a in a very, um, what would I say, equitable manner with all due process in consideration. Now, remember, this is not about whether the process, if the prosecution had no case, then I could see that. But you have a dead body and you have a firearm discharged. So there has to be some kind of due process somewhere. Like I said, As a prosecutor, I don't think I would have gone forward with a trial like they did. I would have convened a grand jury and let the grand jury decide. Now, for those of you who don't know what a grand jury does, let me explain that to you. So, as a prosecutor, you call a grand jury, and it's a sealed jury proceeding. The the defendant doesn't come. uh, The defense doesn't get to watch. It's completely prosecutorial, meaning the only evidence that really comes in is the evidence that the prosecutor has in their hand at the time. The grand jury then decides, as a prosecutor would normally decide on their own, is there enough evidence to find guilty beyond a reasonable doubt? That's the standard, guys guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not just merely guilty or a little bit guilty or I think guilty. It means guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And once the grand jury sees all the evidence, then the grand jury makes a decision. Do they call for an indictment or do they issue what they call no true bill? And the no true bill says, There's insufficient evidence to find guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. This is what I would have done. I would have brought this before a grand jury and let them make the decision. In a high profile case, I would not have made the decision on my own. Reasonable doubt is not something that is left to interpretation. There's a legal definition for reasonable doubt it's not just what you think is reasonable. There actually is a standard of reasonableness that the jury is advised. So all of this stuff is in writing. All of this stuff is standardized. And all of this stuff is handled the way uh, I think this case was handled the way it should have. Again, with the exception that I probably would have taken it to a grand jury before I ever took it to, to trial. So here's my assessment on things to come with the Rittenhouse trial, okay? If there is any civil unrest, this is on the shoulders of the politicians and the pundits who made this about race, who made this a racial issue. This is on Biden's shoulders himself for even implying that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. That's where the due process is being denied. The due process being denied by declaring in the court of public opinion why we should throw out due process and just call him guilty civil unrest is on the on the shoulders of the pundits and the politicians who keep